You are listening to Life Skills 101 on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Welcome to Life Skills 101, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. Your host, Lisa Nearing, has homeschooled her five kids for the last 29 years. She has a master's degree in human brain development and a master's in marriage and family therapy. She is currently the owner of True North, offering everything from Hebrew classes to chemistry. She and her husband, Dr. David Nearing, are passionately committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools and resources necessary to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, Without further ado, your host. Well, hey, everybody, it is Lisa from It's Not That Hard to Homeschool and True North Homeschool Academy, and here with another podcast. Super excited today to introduce a young guest to you, Sarah Grieb. Um, I have known Sarah for so many years. She actually took some classes at True North Homeschool Academy when she was in high school. She is now a college student at a small classical school and a linguist. And we got to reconnect last year when my kids were in college with her. And she is actually teaching online for us at True North Homeschool Academy. She's teaching Latin and photography. So welcome, Sarah. Um, Before we really get too much into it, I want to give you a little bit more background about Sarah. Um, She is truly a linguist. So she, for how young she is, she's gone through Hebrew 4, Greek 1, She's at the master's level online in Latin, and she's taken five years of French. So when she's, when I say a college student is teaching Latin, this is not like a beginning Latin student. This is just a young person with years and years of Latin expertise under their belt. And not only that, she loves languages. So you're getting a philologist as well as a Latin instructor. <laughs> um, and you also teach photography. You are doing the social media at your school and taking lots of great pictures and making sure that they get the word out about what they're doing. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. What a wonderful introduction. Aww. I should probably clarify that I am about to do Hebrew for, but I hope in the near future to have it under my belt and conquered. Yeah. But I love languages. I am so glad to be teaching and thank you again. Yeah. And you teach online and in person. So you actually are teaching some foreign languages local to you in homeschool co-ops and with mm-hmm. other interested Latin people. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a great language. It's not as dead as people might think. I taught Latin for a few years and there are 15,000 anglicized Latin words that we speak on the regular. So when I always started Latin one with the kids, I would always say, don't be intimidated. You already speak more Latin than you realize. Um, And I think that's true. But we want to talk about uh, today how the classics are so important, even in the image-driven culture that we live in. And I love that you're teaching both the classics you're doing an NLE test prep class as well this year and photography. So you're doing both sides of this. Um, Tell us what your thoughts are on this. I mean, that's just like a a throw you into the deep end, but um, yeah, kind of like from amusing yourselves to death, um, the Postman book on that, which was so very good. If you haven't read it, go read it. But Sarah, what what are your thoughts about that? You're a young person who's definitely classically oriented, and yet you're doing photography also as a side business. (laughs) 
Interesting combo. <laughs> yeah. So I think photography feels like the new kind of iteration of visual arts and visual storytelling in our culture because cameras are so ubiquitous. We have the phone cameras now. They're really good quality. I am kind of jealous of how amazing they are. I wish I had that nice camera in my pocket. Yeah. Um, and so we're looking at the world of art and it's starting to change. And that is so big, I think, for culture is what we are expressing either in our language verbally or what we're expressing through our images. That's why kind of in my classes, I love to show my students how to communicate mood, how to tell stories in our photographs, because that is so key to engage in the world that God has created. That is part of culture. Right. One of, I love one of my professors really hammered this point home to me when we look at the theology of like our subjects. And I think applying this idea to, to photography, we can look at something that Ken Myers said, where he talked about culture from a Christian point of view. And he defined it as being basically how people make use of creation. Mm-hmm. And so if we look at how people reflect creation in art today, I think we see a need for photography that communicates the true good and beautiful in the historic tradition that's come for so many centuries before us. And photography is like the new battlefield, the new front line, so to speak, we can engage in to really shape it and share with what is beautiful with the world that's increasingly seems confused about what is good, what's true, what's beautiful. Totally agree. I just turned off my my speaker real quick because of course my dog started barking. Um, but I do agree with that. I do think that photography really is a new way to communicate. There was a an award-winning film made with a phone camera or, a, you know, a phone, a camera, a video on the phone. The, the technology that we hold in our pocket is so very, very powerful. And our kids are taking pictures and they are looking at, at images all day long if they have a phone. So how do we direct them and what do we do with all that? But I think doing a photography class and the one that we offer at True North is photography and digital text. So you're actually doing projects with the kids where they're taking pictures, but also learning how to use them and format them and all that kind of thing. Such good stuff. This is marketable skills because so many, so many online companies are looking for content creators. So not only is this like something to really like think about from a theological point of view, but just a practical way Absolutely. of kids can make money doing this. Um, we had students, I think in that writing class we did years ago, who actually sold stock photography. Um, and that was, she just had this great little side hustle <laughs> doing that. All that through awesome. um, but yeah, there's so much, there's so much out there that just really almost barrages our senses. Um, and not all of it is good, true and beautiful. And mm-hmm. I think it's an important discussion to have with our kids is how do we use this technology for our own benefit and the, for the benefit of greater society, because there, there's so few filters, um, pun intended right now. And what do we do with that? And I think that kind of speaks to what you're teaching with Latin, maybe. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess kind of that, that thinking process, because I would see Latin, not just as a language that we learn, but even as a way to further practice reflective thinking. Yeah. I remember being in Latin, having to sit on my bed and stare at the ceiling and consider what was happening in this text I was reading. There's this like reflective habit and discipline that's necessary to really succeed in Latin. And I think learning those skills are also really applicable, even to just thinking about other issues in the world and having that mental muscle practiced. 
that is one of the I one of the things I love about starting your kids off with Latin is that there's so many moving parts with Latin. They have to really it's it's great executive functioning skills training. Seriously, these are transferable skills. If your kids never make it to Latin four and don't translate, you know, whatever, that's totally fine. But they're learning how to manage and organize a lot of information at once and critically think about things. What ending goes where? How does that work with the verb? Wait, where's the verb? Is that a clause? Does that work? I mean, it just goes on and on. And um, and a lot of kids, when they're younger and start a foreign language like this, they don't realize that it's actually you know, a challenge or difficult, they just think it's a big puzzle and a game. And so, yeah, start them young, (laughs) have them jump into Latin because it does really train their brain to reflect and to really consider how do I apply this? What does it mean? And all those kind of things. How did you get into the languages? Why, why did you go there? Cause you have a lot of languages under your belt at this point. (laughs) So that's an interesting story because I started out, you know, classical education, Latin is kind of the thing that you do. Although I confess that as a younger child, I did not really get it. I was not motivated to do Latin. Even my first year of high school, Latin was a struggle for me just to understand it. If you had told me in the future I would be teaching Latin, I think I would have been absolutely shocked. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I got into it and had some really great mentorship from my Latin teachers, I realized just how it is a way to even to strengthen the student's mind and soul. Like there's a a ministry aspect almost to it. And I fell in love with the language. And just when you've learned one, you start to have to learn others. (laughs) As I say, um, when I learned one dead language, I had to learn some more. And so I showed up at college and decided my freshman year to take biblical Hebrew, (laughs) which ends up being a great decision for me just to grapple with something challenging and learn my own discipline reflection because I'm learning as well not just my students I might be a little further ahead in the road but there is so much I still want to learn and am learning so had some really great mentors for languages in college too that just really helped me learn to love it more and really start to understand language in general how it's set up what its goal point is which is to communicate right Right, exactly. Um, it, it just cracks me up to hear you say that because so many of our of our foreign language teachers at True North, they're all polylingual, every one of them, because they start, they just, they're philologists really more than, than a certain language teacher. You know, they just love the structure of language and the whole point of communication. And that is one of the most important skills we can train our kids in is communication. So if they're, if they have a second language under their belt, for one, their, their vocabulary is expanded, their understanding of culture is expanded, and it just gives them so many great transferable and life skills. I love that part. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, as far as communication, you know, the photography, just to circle back to the photography too, is that, you know, memes are so popular. I love memes and um, I share them with my kids on Instagram all the time because they're so fun, you know, and you can convey in like one image so much without even a written word or language or anything. So I love that you're doing these two seemingly juxtaposed fields that really both have in common communication and the importance of that. (laughs) Absolutely. It's been interesting even for me to realize how am I teaching both of these? They seem so different. And then realizing it's, it's that communication element. There's the verbal auditory written tongue, and then we have the visual and those kind of really 
can go together. They go hand in hand to really communicate in an impactful, a meaningful way. Yeah, exactly. How do you see the classics is important to us today? Um, I think the world has changed pretty radically uh, over the years, but but 2020 and beyond seems to have just sped up some of this change. We're in the fourth industrial revolution. I talk about this all the time. And so this time of disruption has just been a little bit ongoing. Are the classics still relevant? I mean, I love the classics, so I'm in a sense already biased, but the classics are deeply like they're, everyone says the cliche almost, they're classic for a reason. I think that's true. Like we're looking at human nature as Thucydides talked about in his ancient Greek history. Human nature is kind of a constant. It's not going to change what we would like to do, how we are sinful, how we, what we, the actions that we make, how history happens, how we think about it. Yeah. And so I think the classics really enrich our understanding and they connect us to a time before us. Yeah. I think increasingly in our modern age, we are very isolated almost. This is our modern time. We don't, they don't, we don't want the connection to the past. It seems irrelevant or it's not like, it doesn't match with our new value systems. And so we reject it. And then we cut off this rich foundation mm-hmm. that's like, the, the roots of our culture is built upon yeah. and we expect the tree to keep growing even cut it off from the roots. And right. so yeah, the classics are crucial. They are. I would agree with you. Um, there's that old, there's a, I, see if, let's see if I can get it right. Um, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. If you do know history, you sit back with your face in horror going, Oh no, we're repeating it. <laughs> so you have that, you have that going on too, but I agree. I think the classics are so important because um, they they help us understand how to move forward, but they also give us hope that time does move forward. And even, I mean, dystopian literature is just skyrocketing right now. It's just one of the most um, purchased genres. And I think a lot of our young people are feeling a lot of anxiety and hopelessness and that kind of thing, because things do seem like they're just, it's a time of disruption. And how do we kind of like, how do we deal with all this stuff going on? But understanding the classics in history can help us understand everything is seasonal. And we're going to get through this season and we're going to have a new season and it's, it's fine. It's, it's just how that goes. So I, I would completely agree with you. They're the roots of who we are. Um, and in America, we have a real rich tradition of, of the classics. I mean, that was the whole point of, of the Ivy leaks, honestly. <laughs> excellent point. Yes. I actually studied like Thomas Jefferson, his relation to the classics and language, because mm-hmm. he was also a philologist, very interested in Latin and Greek and Anglo-Saxon and looking at how he wanted to, how he wanted to see American universities function. Like we see that return to the classics yeah. and language is crucial to that. That's interesting because Dana Hanley, who teaches German for us, she's really into Anglo-Saxon languages right now, which I think is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, you're right; they were, and a lot of the a lot of the founding fathers were bilingual at least or polylingual. They had studied Latin, they had studied Greek and Hebrew, probably too, but for sure Latin. Um, and so they they were drawing on that rich tradition. One of the things I think. A lot of times we forget as we're working towards giving our kids high school credits is they need a foreign language credit, but really um, we're giving them like an insight into culture too, because language and culture are so completely tied together and you're teaching Latin, which is always taught, you know, called a dead language. Is it, is it really? (laughs) 
I mean, dead in the technical sense that there aren't as many like native speakers born with it, but we see the influences everywhere in our literature, in our history, in our culture, in cultures really around the world and in the Western world. Like it's incredibly ubiquitous for understanding our own past, our own culture, and then sending it forward, propagating it. And and there's kind of an interesting movement among Latin people to, they go to these camps in the summer and they speak Latin together out loud. I mean, it just, it's like, okay, that's a whole nother level of nerd. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You will not find me at these camps. I just want to be clear. Um, But I, but I'm fascinated by that, that people are really working hard to, to make it something that is useful. And and it's just such a game to them. They have so much fun with it. Um, what are your hopes and dreams for your students, both your, both your Latin students and your photography students? What are you really hoping that their takeaways are and what they do with this in the future? That is a great question, especially for me, kind of processing, uh, thinking through my first semester of teaching at True North, which has been so amazing. Um, for Latin, I just really hope they learn to really love the language. Is I know that I know especially Latin can be very kind of challenging, a lot of moving parts, but they come to kind of enjoy it and the mental exercise of it, yeah. and just that they'll grow in their own discipline and diligence in learning and apply those skills down the road, mm-hmm. and just come to be better communicators yeah. in general. Just yeah. and then that same kind of goes to my photography students. I really hope to kind of distill in them kind of the love of storytelling and wanting to communicate good stories through their photographs and helping them do that. Because mm-hmm. they all have such fabulously wonderful and unique visions that they do. Their photos are awesome. Yeah. And so just seeing that and encouraging them to keep kind of stepping out a little more to explore, push the boundaries of what they are capable of creatively and then expressing that is so exciting for me to watch. And I hope they take that with them, even when they're done with photography and digital technology. I love it. I love it so much. Okay. So storytelling is so important in this image driven age. That's one of the things with the influencers that you see on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, they're telling a story, right? They're telling the story of how they got to where they are, or how you can get to where they are with them, et cetera. And that really ties in really well to Latin too, because um, it just tells the story. The Roman Empire was so uh, military based. And I mean, you could say it was rigid, but it was lockstep. But that was part of how they conquered the world as they just had this incredible organization. And that's one of the beautiful things about studying Latin. It is so organized. <laughs> it, it, it is just if you want your kids to really understand how to study a language, Latin's a great place to start because Latin is very organized and sequential and lockstep, and you can really get a hold of it. If you just think about it as a game, um, it's very easy to to get a hold of it, and then you can apply that to living languages, which are they're a little messier, maybe. <laughs> Because we're we're using them, and so you know they're tied to the culture, and as the culture changes, language changes, right? Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. Um, and we have had great, you know, we have great students at True North. I think that's just, I, I think everybody knows it at this point. I mean, it's a vetted group. You know, we're homeschoolers. We believe in faith, family, freedom, and so we don't shy away from discussions of faith. Why should you study Latin? It's a dead language. It was a pagan culture. Um, if we're coming from a Judeo-Christian point of view. Why would we even give the time of day to that? What do you, what would you say to that even? I'm putting you on the spot here. (laughs) Oh, I love that question. It's one I've kind of 
had come up multiple times kind of thinking through my own homeschool education and classical education this whole idea is Tertullian said what does Athens have to do with Jerusalem yeah we have the classics and we have the pagans who clearly didn't come from the same faith tradition that we do and how do we make sense of it yeah and I always love Saint Augustine what he said on this because in his amazing work my personal favorite on Christian doctrine he talks about how everything can be used and redirected toward the glory of God mm-hmm. he uses um he draws from this the story of an exodus where the um fleeing people of Israel when they leave they take all the Egyptian gold and they repur- eventually repurpose it toward their to its proper end which is God as the steward the creator of it they are demonstrating the proper stewardship. And Augustine uses that as his analogy to what we should do. Yeah. We see these pagan works. We have Plato, Aristotle, Aristophanes, whoever you want to name, whoever your favorite Greco-Roman is. Yeah. And we can take their nuggets of truth because truth is truth, as Augustine said. And we can use their language and we can just direct that up back to the source of knowledge who is our creator, who created the world that we are engaging in. That's a part of our culture. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It's so true. There's nothing that God can't redeem. And that's his job. That's his business. And he's really good at it as he's in the redemption business. So there's so much great learning to be had by jumping into a dead language like Latin and really going for it. Um, And photography too. I mean, I just think that's a skill all of our kids should really get a hold of. And I mean, it's easy to do. You can play around with them and learn, but having a directed study like a class can really take you to the next level faster. And again, it's a marketable tool. I would say Latin, knowing Latin is a marketable tool tool as well. Okay, so uh, uh, half of our Latin teachers at True North have been college students that have taught Latin for us. And they've done such a phenomenal job because they're still eager, uh, you know, all the things. Well, we just have great teachers at True North, but um, it is a marketable skill, not just for teaching Latin, but also understanding languages and and all those kind of things as well and communication. Um, and I think that is, you know, our kids need to know the skill of communication more than ever before. It is going to be the number one skill, the number one job skill that they can really um, bring to the table for their first job, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with Sarah? This has been great. You've answered a lot of questions and, uh, yeah, and you weren't prepared for half of them. So way to be articulate. <laughs> you, I mean, this is my favorite topic. I could easily spend hours talking about Latin and education. So I appreciate the opportunity to really share some thoughts and, still consider for my own self as I continue learning to be the best teacher that I can. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so what are you going to do? Uh, let me just ask, what are you going to do when you graduate from college with all these languages under your belt and some teaching experience? Well, I'm still very interested in just teaching a lot. That is remains kind of, since it's been my calling I realized in high school that is what I'm supposed to do and I've had all these fantastic opportunities I'm so thankful for so continuing to teach Latin I'm looking at currently at doing a master's program in Latin as well and then seeing where I go from there as far as the education world but very very cool okay well that's exciting to hear um wonderful Sarah it's been so great to have you on the Trinor teaching team this year um you've been delightful and I know the students have just grown and learned so much under your tutelage. So grateful to have you here and thanks for being on the podcast. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. You guys, we'll talk to you next time. Stay tuned because there's more great stuff coming in 2024. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.